The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. This is a catastrophe in a war-torn part of the world that has bitter experience of catastrophic events, and it keeps getting worse. The first earthquake, 7.8 magnitude. We are now hearing some Some truly horrific images coming out of Turkey and I guess uh, northern Syria, rocked by these two devastating earthquakes, all kinds of aftershocks. Buildings are still coming down even the day after. People need to get out of the cities pretty much. You see all of these images, people suffering, pulling toddlers out of the rubble. I mean, this is just one of Many, many like this every year it happens. We've got an article up at thetrumpet.com right now. Why did God allow the earthquake? I mean, God is God. He could have stopped it. But why did he allow it? Lots of questions. Lots of questions answered in that Trumpet article. I'll just refer you to our website. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us for today's show. Speaking of our website, this is where you can watch the live video stream of this show. That's thetrumpet.com. Just go to the trumpet.com forward slash live and you can watch live every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States, 7 p.m. If you're in or around Jerusalem, we uh, certainly have some colleagues that uh, are working from that location and uh, occasionally contribute to this program and to uh, the Trumpet Hour. I'm sure uh, you regular listeners are familiar with uh, their contributions. 
But coming back to this, uh, the 7.8 magnitude earthquake, the reports this morning are that at least 5,000 people have died. Many people are projecting this to be upwards of 20,000 casualties once they sift through all the rubble and get uh, a final count, if, if they ever can get one. But in some cases, like with Syria, I mean, these are also war-torn regions. And, and obviously, they're not as prosperous as some of the Western nations. And the buildings, perhaps, not as strong. The foundations, not as firm. One earthquake comes along and boom, thousands upon thousands of people dying or suffering or knowing of a loved one who died in the tragedy. This is from an article we had back in 1995 at the Trumpet. Some, some severe trials lie just ahead. War, earthquakes, famines, and pestilences are going to intensify. They are. They're going to intensify, and it would be good to familiarize yourself with prophecies like in Matthew 24 and Revelation 6. We, uh, we talk about these prophecies in our, our literature. The Four Horsemen uh, booklet comes to mind. Our 800 number, if you want to order any of our material, it's all offered without cost or obligation. It's one 930 3024 But why so much war? Why so much suffering? Why earthquakes? We, we have another booklet. Why natural disasters? They're, they're, they're called natural disasters. But again, God can stop them. Why doesn't he? Well, this just proves the point that Mr. Armstrong taught us so many times, over and again. Going back to Genesis 3, saying that the world, the world chose to go its own direction apart from God. And so God cut the world off. He cut human civilization off from the tree of life, which represented the Holy Spirit of God, God's nature, God's character, God's love, God's power. Mankind has been going it alone, for the most part, for 6,000 years. God's intervened here and there to fulfill his purpose. He's preparing a bride right now to marry Jesus Christ so that that union, that marriage, that family can bring salvation to the whole world, to all who have ever lived. It's an incredible and awesome purpose and plan when you step back and look at the big picture of it. But when you zoom into events like what happened yesterday in Turkey, I mean, you understand. If your mind's open to the truth, you understand right away that this certainly is not God's world. This is the devil's world. This is Satan's world. And these kinds of atrocities or, or, or tragedies are intensifying. And when people do comment on them, as to the cause, they, they create their own religion out of climate change and things of that nature. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about the consequences of sin. They don't talk about cause and effect. It says here, prophecy looks grim to all those who love this world. What in this world is worth saving? This is from our article in 1995. It refers to uh, the prophecy there, or the history, depending on how you look at it. In Genesis 6, when God surveyed the landscape, he looked at the world before the flood, and he just said that man's mind is on evil continually. 
You know, I think back as a kid and all the programs that I watched, Herbert Armstrong's World Tomorrow program, I think the images or the montages that stuck with me the most is he would, he would step back and look at this world, Satan's world, a world that's been kidnapped. He would look at it. He'd go, Mr. Armstrong would take the, the, cameras, the cameras or the footage to third world countries where there was starvation. People were malnourished, living in poverty-stricken areas, slums. And, and all of the, the sickness and the disease that comes with living in poverty-stricken uh, regions. And then Mr. Armstrong would transition to the more prosperous nations in the West. And how that there, there certainly is all of this, this progress with respect to technology. But then he would say, but spiritually, we're impoverished. There's a different kind of sickness. There's a different kind of disease. The whole world is deceived. The whole world is held captive to the devil. You can look at the tragedy in Turkey, the earthquake, that by the end is going to be responsible for tens of thousands of deaths, no doubt. And then you transition over to our, our more prosperous Israelite nations and look at the sickness and even the death that we're just bringing on ourselves. Look at the sins that we're celebrating and promoting. We declare our sin as Sodom. Yesterday, even here in Oklahoma, you have these transgenders, or at least people fighting for trans rights, gathering at the state capitol. This is clip nine. You can play it off to the side if you guys like. But there they are in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, of all places. Because they don't have rights. I was telling my freshman Bible class this morning. I mean, look at the, the rights that these people have. And they're, they're complaining. I guess the lawmakers are there to prevent uh, little children from being mutilated without their parents being involved somehow. That's it. That's all that it takes. And then they show up in droves, even in a red state like Oklahoma. How would this lifestyle, how would this lifestyle play out in, well, take Turkey, for example, or maybe Afghanistan or any number of nations around the world? And yet here... Here, these people, they were, they were rewarded. These people living these lifestyles, they were rewarded at the Grammys the other day. Their lifestyle, far from being suppressed or disadvantaged, they're celebrated. They're promoted in every respect. And it happens here in the West. It happens here in Israelite nations. Ephraim, Manasseh. You need to, you need to request the United States and Britain in prophecy. To, to really and thoroughly understand where we fit in the grand scheme of things prophetically. But look at the appalling evils that whether you're looking at a third world nation, the evils, the suffering, or you switch the montage over to what's happening here in the United States. Listen to, uh, I didn't play many clips from the Grammys for good reason, the sickness but listen to Joy Reid. She gives a, she's a, obviously a Marxist, leftist, radical, and she gives a pretty good summary of what was on display at the Grammys the other night. This is clip one. 
It was, to put it mildly, a celebration of the very thing the American right has turned into its latest anti-wokeness boogeyman, diversity, equity, and inclusion. The show opened with Puerto Rican singer Bad Bunny singing 99% in Spanish. Then host Trevor Noah walked and talked through a room that was diversity, equity, and inclusion in human form. The first country Americana artist to perform, Brandi Carlisle, was introduced by her wife and daughters. We saw the first trans artist win a Grammy, Kim Petras, who has a hit song with Sam Smith, the British singer who came out in 2019 as non-binary. Black acting superstar Viola Davis became an EGOT, winning a Grammy to add to her Golden Globe, Oscar, and Tony Awards. Record of the year went to Harry Styles, a British male singer who frequently puts on dresses to pose in magazines and is a sex symbol to women and men because of it. And there was a 15-minute epic tribute to the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. So, yeah, the culture wars are over, and the left won, like, total defeat. <laughs> They're happy. They're happy with the progress. They, they have won the culture war. Look at what, what passes for entertainment these days. And then, of course, what she left out, that tribute to Satan. I mentioned that yesterday. Satan worship on display, sponsored by Pfizer. That's right. All in one evening of entertainment. Crowd going wild. You know, a few were alarmed on social media after that uh, worship of the devil, blatant worship of the devil, and are asking, some are asking questions about the rise of these, these demonic themes in movies, in music, in popular culture. Elon Musk, he tweeted out, someone says, what was going on with this Satan worship piece? And Elon Musk tweeted in response, this is end of days vibes. He's getting the richest, even the richest man in the world is getting vibes that this maybe this is the end of days. Maybe we really are in the last days. Well, he's right to get those vibes. You look at what Jesus prophesied, what Jesus compares our days to in the Gospels. He said it's just going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's just going to be like uh, right before the flood when, when man's heart's Man's heart was on evil continually. You can read that in Genesis 6. We listened to an excellent forum this morning by Joel Hilliker, the host of Trumpet Hour. He was talking to our students about music, what uh, the Grammys celebrates. But he also went through the, the playlist that Barack Obama tweets out. He does it, I guess, every year. He tweets his, uh, his favorites from the previous year. And a lot of the ones that he tweeted out as favorites were uh, also up for Grammy Awards. These are, these are popular songs, popular uh, performers. And, of course, <laughs> if you're like me, you probably recognize next to none of them. Here's one. Sam went through the lyrics. It, 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 as Mr. Hilliker pointed out this morning, it's either a, a lyrics that are, that are unintelligible they make no sense. They're put together by some guy who's high on drugs. Or it's celebrating the perverse. Or there's, there's strong anti-American themes or anti-police or stirring up racial hatred or division. And of course, the sexual deviance, the perversions of the flesh, all of that sung about, celebrated. It's, it's put to a nice little beat. 
And, pe and people want to award those performers. The weirder, the better. The more perverse, the more award-worthy it will be. This is a performer who goes by the name Rush. Ira Starr, or either it's that in reverse. One's the name of the song, one's the name of the performer. It's hard to tell the difference. Here's some of the lyrics. Sabby girl, no day, too like talk. Animals day in human form. Petty man, nobody like work. What? And it goes on. It's gibberish. You can't make sense of it. It's incomprehensible gibberish. And that's some of the better stuff. When you look at some of the violent, and this is Barack Obama. I think he's, he's pushing 60, is he not? A 60-year-old man? And this is what he's out there promoting. What is going, you know, he's, he's, he's got the smooth-sounding words when he talks. But what must be going on in this man's mind? Well, you know something about that if you've read America Under Attack. The, the nation's being attacked from within, the United States. You're, you're seeing earthquake-level devastation in the spiritual sense in our nations today. Ephraim, Manasseh, it's every bit as real. It's worse even than the carnage in Turkey because it's destroying minds. It's destroying young people. I mentioned yesterday the fentanyl overdoses. 107,000 Americans every year. That's by far going to be worse than the, the earthquake devastation. 100,000? Yeah, just dying because of overdoses. Dying because of fentanyl. Brought to you by China. And, of course, the wide open border. And the fake president gets up tonight, and, and he's actually going to go through all of the, the victories, all of the blessings, all of the, the wins from the past year. Really? The State of the Union? You can be sure he's going to get up in front of the camera and say, hey, the State of our Union is great. It's never been better. More lies from Joe Obama. How do you make sense of what passes for entertainment these days? You know, it's interesting. Jill Biden, this hasn't gotten as much play as the devil worship song, but Jill Biden was at the Emmys. Yeah, how fitting. How fitting that a, a pretty high-ranking representative coming from Joe Obama of course, Joe Bama's performers are all there. Half of them are on his playlist. The highlights from 2022. What a world. The Federalist says this, Jill Biden made an unexpected appearance at the Grammys this weekend where she wore a frumpy 1980s-esque gold floral gown. Not only was the design outdated and aging, but we've seen it before. The first, well, she gets into the dress here a fair bit. But it says here, as far as the music, that's what I want to focus on. Psychologist Carl Jung once said that art is the unwitting mouthpiece of the psychic secrets of the times. True artists are sensitive to the zeitgeist, and they give us invaluable insights into the modern age via symbolism. The heads of corporate fashion are not insightful. They're posers, it says the only thing we can be sure of when reading a Vogue profile on the next Democrat starlet is that modern artists have been shackled by Marxist-inspired thought police. In places like the Soviet Union or Communist China, art is a slave to activism. See, as I was telling the freshmen this morning in class, 
They're, they're not here celebrating open-mindedness. It's, it, it's actually the closing of the American mind, to quote what Professor Bloom said, the late Professor Bloom from the 1980s. Satan and his culture, the aim there is to close the mind. And that's what they're doing. Everyone just going along like robots. Just follow the mob. Just follow the mob. Get behind the protests. Find a protest and take over the Capitol if you're fighting for trans rights. But don't dare support someone like Donald Trump. By the way, where's the police firing off the stun grenades and the flashbangs and everything else downtown in Oklahoma? They, they've taken over the Capitol. Send in the smoke bombs. Send in the, the fire squad. None of that this time, though. No, just let them take over. Because they're fighting not, not for the bad orange man. They're fighting for trans rights. So open the door and let them come on in. It's an upside-down world. Every painting, fashion statement, sculpture, piece of poetry, movie, or song must serve the regime. If it does not, then it's a threat that must be terminated. It says, in America, it's no different. The First Amendment is in direct conflict with cultural Marxism. It says, finally, I'm quoting from the Federalist, just like academics, journalists, and doctors are mercilessly punished by the left for wrong think, so are the actors, painters, sculptors, and fashion designers. It says, when modern art critics aren't praising Democrat first ladies, they're applauding ugly and anxiety-inducing pieces. They're just here to celebrate and to support the regime. They all think the same way, and they have no idea that there's a real spirit world behind these appalling evils, these horrific tragedies. Satan, as I said yesterday, he's the god of this world. The god of this world. This is from, I forget which one of our booklets. It says, what did God have in mind when he created the angels to rule over the universe? Ezekiel 28, 13 describes how when he made Lucifer, the workmanship of your tabres and of your pipes was prepared in you. This is my father writing. I think it's in the former prophet's book. But it says here, God created Lucifer to rule with tremendous musical ability, not only for the earth. That was just the beginning. Lucifer was a universe being created to fill the universe with beautiful music. God made him to think as he thinks and to love and to produce music that he loves. Lucifer did so far, uh, did so rather for a while, but then he rebelled and God changed his name to Satan. And now, now the music he makes is twisted and perverse. You know, as I was telling the students in Principles of Living, our main textbook for that class, The Missing Dimension in Sex, and you know, Mr. Armstrong's got an important section in that book. You would think, well, that's a different subject. But he talks a lot about music. He actually talks about music and, and the prince of the power of the air. There's a, a tie-in here to marriage and family, as I was saying this morning. I mean, you look at, you look at 1 Corinthians 6, the end of that, uh, that chapter, verses 19 and 20, where God says that we ought to glorify him in our body and in our minds. 
how that we ought to strive for purity in all things. Mr. Hilliker mentioned the verse in Philippians 4, verse 8 in his forum this morning. Whatsoever things are lovely and just and pure and holy and of good report, let, let's think on these things. Let's fill our minds on these things. Satan, you see, he's a, he's a master at educating as well. Only he wants to fill our minds with filth and perversion. And so as the prince of the power of the air, he's just bombarding us, our children, with the kinds of images you see at the Oklahoma Capitol or on the Grammy show or on Barack Obama's uh, playlist. We declare our sin as Sodom. I think that's in Isaiah 1. Boy, what an accurate prophecy that is. We declare it. We celebrate it. We praise it. We give it awards. The more, the more disgusting the sin, as I say, the more, uh, more award-worthy it ends up being. That's the way it is in this world, because this is not God's world. Obviously, it's not God's world. Revelation 12 and verse 9, it says, And the, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. They're, they're now confined to this earth, and that's not good news for the inhabitants of this earth. Woe unto them, the Bible says. You know, one of the mystery of the ages, obviously, was the last book that Herbert Armstrong wrote, the last thing he wrote. It's a masterpiece. You want to get a copy of that if you call our operators as well. But I think his very last booklet just came out right before Mystery of the Ages. Herbert Armstrong titled it, A World Held Captive. And, and of course, Jesus, among other things, he came to pay the ransom so that we could be released from the kidnapper, so that we could be saved through his life. He died so that our sins could be put away and forgiven upon repentance and faith. And he lives today. He lives today, and he'll, he'll lead us out of captivity, out of Egypt, if we're willing to, as so many verses bring out. I've got them, I think, later here in my notes. If we're willing, with God's help, to come out of this world. Notice what it says about this world in 2 Corinthians. This is chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. You're familiar with these verses, so many of you I know. But read it again. Verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. See, the, the minds of men have been blinded to the truth. And most people in this world, even in the world of traditional Christianity, they don't understand the fact that this is Satan's world. Now, if there's a good outcome, if there's anything good to come out from that Satan worship song the other night, like Richard Palmer pointed out in the morning brief today, maybe it'll get people to asking questions like the ones asked here in Mystery of the Ages. Is there a real spirit world? Is there a devil? Can you prove it? Do you see any evidence of his existence when you look at this world today? John 14 and verse 30, it says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. That's a quote from Jesus Christ. 
Satan's referred to as the prince of the world. He's referred to as the God of the world. He's referred to in Ephesians 2 as prince of the power of the air. And then, of course, in Revelation 12 and verse 9, we just read it. It says there that he's deceived the whole world. All through the Bible, this is why all through the Bible, God admonishes you and me to come out of this evil world, to leave it, let it go. Just leave it behind and go forward with Christ. And look, that's a, that's a mighty big challenge, living in the, the world of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, look at, look at uh, Lot's wife, just to take an example from Genesis 19. I mean, they had what looked to be a, a normal, traditional family with a husband, a wife, and two daughters who were virgins. And then they left, and God had to almost drag them out. Because it's, it's just so easy to let the world around us rub off on our thinking. It's so easy, like Romans 12, 2 says, it's so easy to be conformed to this world, to just let the world and everything around you shape your thinking, your ideas, your taste, your interests, your life, your lifestyle. God says in Revelation 18 and verse 4, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Don't partake of her sins. And then the plagues that come as a result, we're seeing more and more of it. This world just being pounded by curses. Curse after curse. Plague after plague. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, Says, says the Eternal, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Verse 18 goes on and says, and I'll be a father to you. But you've got to come out from among them and be separate. That doesn't mean we hibernate, you know, in Alaska somewhere and never have any contact with this world. We have a work to do. But we have to leave the worldliness out. We have to leave the thinking of the devil out. As I was telling the students this morning, I mean, that's a, that's a weighty individual responsibility. Well, Mr. Hilliker made this point in the forum. There's certainly rules and regulations at God's college, but, you know, what you do with your time, what you view on the Internet, what you listen to when you put in the earbuds, in, in so many ways, I mean, that's, that's on you. And God wants us continually upgrading those standards. He wants us to elevate those standards up to a level of godly purity and righteousness. And it's hard to do if we're just opening our minds to these satanic influences that are all around us through music, through movies, through the internet. 1 John 2, verse 15, God says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Do, do any of these verses make it sound like that God is the God of this world and he's in this massive tug of war with Satan the devil trying to win as many souls over to God's way as possible before it's too late and everyone goes to, I guess, hellfire? Is that, is that the way 
the Bible says, or is that how the Bible describes this present world? Paul said in Galatians 1.4, he called it the present evil world. I mean, if, that, if that's God's assessment in the first century, 2,000 years ago, what must God think about our world today? I was telling the, was telling the freshman, you know, the big, the big hit song-wise, popular culture-wise, back when I was a freshman at college. I mean, it sound, it's, it's like this with, you know, you can go back earlier even to the, I guess, the 60s and the 50s. You hear some of those tunes and you think, wow, I mean, that's, it's so tame. It's so mild. But it's a slippery slope, isn't it? What came with the sexual revolution and those popular bands in the 50s and 60s and then the ones in the 70s and the 80s and then look at where we are today. I mean, just gibberish passing for lyrics, award-winning lyrics. So many of these minds twisted and warped and perverted because of drugs and other influences. God says, come out. Come out. This is from Mystery of the Ages. Here again. Free book, no cost, no obligation. Contact our operators and request your free copy. But Mr. Armstrong says, I have often said it's, it's much more difficult to unlearn an erroneous supposed truth than it is to learn a new truth. Even in these past 58 years, I had not fully and clearly realized the significance of the fact revealed in Genesis 3, 22 through 24, that in fact, God had closed the Holy Spirit and eternal life to mankind in general until the removal of Satan at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the devil knows that that second coming is coming soon. He knows his time is short. That's Revelation 12 and verse 12. The devil is well aware of the shortness of time. That's why these kinds of appalling evils are gaining momentum. Who could have imagined in any state capital 10, 15 years ago, trans people, transgenders? They're there protesting for more rights. They don't have enough rights. It's just the opposite, isn't it? It's just the opposite of the way it should be. Traditional Christian teaching had always assumed there was a contest between God and Satan, that God has been trying desperately to get the world saved, but in this great controversy, Satan has been winning. In other words, God had sent Jesus Christ at his first coming to try to win this ongoing war against Satan. Traditional Christianity has taught that whosoever will may come and be saved through Jesus. Mr. Armstrong writes, he says, For some years I had come to partially realize the error of this assumption, but the full truth on this, on this point had not come crystal clear to me until very recently. The truth is indeed mind-boggling. It clears what had been clouded in mystery. This is what really moved him to write Mystery of the Ages. I mean, the world's cut off, but the story doesn't end there. Like I said, Jesus Christ is about to return to this earth to set up and to establish God's new world. And he's preparing the church right now, God is, to marry his son. Good times are coming. Lawful times, obedient times. Times of peace and happiness and prosperity for all nations. And obedience and submission to God's government, God's family government in all nations as well. What a time. 
What a time. The devil knows his time is about up. He's about to be removed from the throne of this earth. He's about to be replaced with Jesus Christ. Notice Romans 12. I think I might have read this to you yesterday, so if it's a little bit repetitive, you'll bear with me. Such a wonderful passage, these first few verses of Romans. Romans 12, I mean. Romans 12 and verse 1, it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. God's not expecting more of us than, than is reasonable. He says, uh, look, given the, the sacrifice made for you, the fact that you can be released from captivity, from the kidnapper, and go forward with Christ, how ought you to behave? How ought you to live? God says, well, for one, present yourself as a sacrifice for others. Present yourself. We have to present ourselves. We have to give of ourselves. We, we've been bought with a price, after all, and what a price was paid. And so Paul, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, now glorify God in your body and your spirit, your body and your mind. Bring glory to God in the way that you live, in the way that you think. Notice verse 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Most people in this world, they can't prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, God's perfect will. They can't prove this because their minds, their minds have wasted away. They, they haven't been renewed. It's, it's, it says here that every day, you can put this together with 2 Corinthians 4.16, but the, the mind needs to be renewed daily. We need to be filled with God's mind daily. And the way we do that, of course, is filling up on the words of, of God, the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, and, of course, contact with God and, and fasting and, and meditation and, and Christian fellowship, all of these things that we need to fill our lives with. There's a saying, garbage in, garbage out. The devil, he, as I say, he's an educator too, and he just wants to fill our minds with garbage, spiritually speaking, well, physically, too. He wants us to fill up on, on all things that are unhealthy, that, that twist and pervert our thinking, that cause gross sickness, whether looking at it on the spiritual level or even the physical level. God says you can fill up on righteousness and holiness if you consume his way of life, if you study his word, if you put away the world and the ways of this world, if you commit to a new and different way of living, as Paul said, a more excellent way, that's in 1 Corinthians 12. It's a beautiful way of life, but what a contrast with what this world, with what Satan is offering to the people of this present evil world. When we come back uh, from a short break, we'll tidy up or finish off the show with a, a few more news items that are worth covering. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to submit some feedback to the show, you can email the program td at the trumpet 
TrumpetDaily.com. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Are we living in the last days? Some dismiss the notion as fanatical, but world leaders and news analysts are issuing warnings that are becoming more and more dire. Could Bible prophecies about the last days actually be accurate? Our brochure can help guide you through the relevant news and history and help you compare these events to what the Bible says. Are we living in the last days? This brochure is available for free right now at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. As I mentioned on yesterday's program, Joe Obama's Defense Department is trying to save face by saying that, uh, well, these, these spy balloons, they just uh, come across the country all the time. And in fact, it happened during Donald Trump's time, Donald Trump's presidency. They lie, you see. They lie about everything. They lie about everything, these people. It says at Fox News, information suggesting that Chinese spy balloons traveled over the continental U.S. during the Trump administration was discovered after former President Trump left office. Oh, well, that's convenient. Uh, this information was discovered after he left office. Now, everything, they use everything he does as, as proof of how evil he is. But in this case, I guess he did the same thing as Biden. So everything's okay with Biden. It says here, a defense official on Saturday said Chinese spy balloons briefly traveled over the U.S. at least three times during the Trump administration. Pretty amazing. So predictable, too. One lawyer said this on Twitter. They leaked information about Chinese spy balloons under Trump to take the heat off Biden, but they actually exposed their own treason in doing so. Now Biden still looks feckless and weak, and the DOD looks corrupt. The regime continues to crumble under its own criminality. It's crumbling before our eyes. Never mind what the fake president says this evening. L listen to this, by the way. Just skip ahead to this. It, I mean, you would expect this to come maybe from a conservative journalist, but this is, this is the New York Times reporter confronting the French lady, Karine Jean-Pierre, He's confronting her about, look, you're taking credit or saying Biden did great leading up to the midterms and all this. But look at these polls, one after another after another. I think he cites an NBC poll. But this is the New York Times. Clip seven. I think you made the assertion that the reason that there wasn't a red wave, the reason that the, the elections in the midterms were more successful than <laughs> many people thought they would be for Democrats was because of the president. That, that's a fair... Yeah, and we've said that before. It's not. It's nothing new. We think we we think the president played a very big role in laying out the message for Democrats. I wonder how, in light of the following poll, you can make that assertion. This is a recent NBC poll. Um, is Biden honest and trustworthy? Thirty-four percent yes, forty-eight percent no. Ability to handle a crisis? Thirty percent, thirty-two percent yes, forty-nine percent no. Competent and effective? Thirty-one percent yes, forty-nine percent no. Has the necessary mental and physical health to be president? 28% yes, 54% no. Uniting the country, 23% yes, 50% no. I mean, g given that poll, which you know is not just a single poll, so, so given all of that, why are you so convinced that it was President Biden that caused the Democratic success in the midterm? Given all these polls, how can you say that? 
How can you say he's responsible for pushing back against the red wave? People don't trust him. People don't think he's fit for office. People are worse off than they were two years ago. They're upset about inflation. They're upset about the border. And so what do these people do? Well, they're like little children. They get up and they say, I'm not to blame for inflation. Didn't you see how it was with the previous guy? It'll be interesting to watch, or I don't think I'll watch it, but to at least see some highlights or lowlights, depending on how you look at it, from tonight's State of the Union uh, address. This was Jean-Pierre, by the way, uh, talking about Biden's speech this evening. This is clip six. Well, as you know, the president is heavily, uh, as I've said many times, heavily engaged in the writing process. When you when you hear the speech, you're certainly here. Uh, there will be no question that this is a Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden State of the Union speech. Uh, so just want to make that really clear. Just want to make that clear that when you hear it, you'll know that Joe Biden wrote it. You'll know. It sounds like someone's a little sensitive, perhaps a little bit, a little hypersensitive to the fact that for two years, this puppet this fake president has basically been reading what's put right in front of him. I mean, in some cases, we're actually capturing screenshots of his notes. Here's where you say, good afternoon, everyone. This is switching back to this scandal regarding the Russian uh, balloon. Sorry, the Chinese balloon. If it was Russian, it would have gotten shot down. But all things China, hey, we've got to reach out to China. I mean, they're lining our pockets after all covered some of that with you yesterday. It's from Reuters. The Chinese spy balloon was 200 feet tall and had a payload the size of a jetliner. The balloon weighed more than a couple thousand pounds and potentially carried explosives to detonate and destroy the balloon, says a senior U.S. general. Wow. So, I mean, this was a military exercise and it just drifted right across the country for days for days, and they knew it penetrated U.S. airspace on January 28th. And they did nothing. They did nothing when it was coming into Alaskan airspace. Nothing. Nothing over Alaska. Canada didn't do anything about it. And they truly would have kept it completely secret. Were it not for Joe Schmo in Montana that said, what's this big balloon in the air? Here's Don Lemon pressing the White House spokesperson, clip eight. He's being criticized for not shooting it down sooner. So you don't think that that was a mistake? No, because because we were able to gather more intelligence and more information. We were able to collect back uh, on the balloon. We know more about Chinese capabilities and tradecraft as a result of that decision. And then we ultimately shot it down and sent a very direct message to China that it was unacceptable. We gathered so much information by letting it fly across all of our air bases. We gathered it. This is a big win for us. You'll hear, you'll hear more of this tonight, I'm sure. A big win. And then we shot it down five days late. But that's okay. Look, everything worked out perfect. Listen to KGP as she talks about U.S. China relations, clip four. So look, our approach with China has been pretty clear, and we've been very, um, very clear about this. That, and it will be continue to be calm, resol uh, resolute, and uh, and practical. That is not going to change on how we're going to move forward with our relationship with China, with our di di diplomatic conversations uh, as we move beyond this. Calm, resolute, practical. Everything's great. Everything's perfect with the communist Chinese. And here they're attacking America. 
in, in a half a dozen ways, whether you count Wuhan, COVID-19, the fentanyl overdoses, the balloon flies right across the country. And of course, that communist influence, that Marxist influ influence, just like the Federalists brought out, uh, there's certainly a, a popular culture that it pushes as well. You've got to support the regime, and it's got to destroy the family in the process. It's got it's to destroy all things traditional in the process. This article on uh, the caddy, more died suddenly cases. ESPN says a caddy for an amateur player collapsed during the second round of the PGA Tour's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on Friday and received CPR before being taken to a nearby hospital. Play was stopped on number 11 for nearly an hour as the caddy for Pebble Beach businessman Jeff Couch was attended to for an extended period of time after he collapsed on the fairway. ESPN won't name the name of the caddy, so we don't know exactly who it is. But here's another case of someone that's no doubt young, maybe not as young as Hamlin, but uh, probably a young guy if he's out walking 18 holes every day. Young, fit, collapsed suddenly. Cheryl Atkinson, she says this, on December 15, about three weeks after her third Pfizer booster shot, Princess Debbie Avati collapsed with heart issues and went into a coma, the 44-year-old eldest daughter of the king of Thailand and likely heir to the throne had reported to be in excellent health prior to the vaccination collapse while training her dogs. So she's out, she's getting exercise, she's running the dogs, and she collapses suddenly, the heir to the throne in Thailand. And, and not that long after getting her third booster. She's, I mean, she's committed to the vax. You know, we had some news coming out from the UK today about Mark Stein. He's on with GB News. It's a, a conservative outlet over in the UK. And he's parting ways with GB News. He's, the, he's one of the few presenters on that show that has talked about vaccine side effects. He's one of the few that's been willing to tell the truth about the vaccines. But because of his honesty, Ofcom, those are the ones that regulate TV in the UK, Ofcom find him twice. And Mark Stein thought that GB News should have his back. But they, didn't, they wanted Stein to take the hit, you know, himself. So Stein finally had enough and said, I'm, uh, I'm leaving. That's pretty sad when you see a voice that was speaking some truth about the vaccine moving off of a platform. Here again, the pressure brought to you by Pfizer. Even, even now, after all of these people, these visuals that we now have, people just collapsing suddenly all over the place. Listen to this headline from Bloomberg. More young Americans are dying, but not from vaccines. It's kind of like KGP. L listen, when you hear the speech tonight, you'll know that Biden wrote it. I mean, you can tell with the headline that they know. You can tell with the headline that they know you know. How sensitive of Bloomberg to say, you know, yeah, more young Americans are dying, but not from the vaccine. No, 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 no. Can't be that. We've done an investigation. We've looked into it. And we have found out that the vaccine is perfect. So there's, there's various other reasons as to why young people are just dropping dead. Here's a little bit from the article. It says, for most 
uh, well, skipping on. The medical establishment and mainstream media have generally dismissed concerns out of hand, but where, whenever I hear them, I ask myself, I wonder if there's any evidence of that in the mortality data. So it goes through some of the statistics and so on and so forth. Really, I guess the money quote comes straight from the headline. Look, there, there have been some disturbing cases. Uh, I'll grant you that. But uh, just so that you know, the vaccine didn't cause it. No, no. No, it's, it's got to be something else. It's got to be something else. One last item here, just to follow on. This was a story, I think it was last week, Tucker covered it. This, uh, this factory with hens and egg-producing factory went up in flames, killed 1,000 chickens. That happened, I think, in upstate New York. This story comes to us from The Guardian regarding uh, a similar case in New Zealand, of all places. It says, there are concerns, the blade, the, the headline here, fears of worsening egg shortage in New Zealand as fire kills 50,000 hens at a farm. There are concerns the blaze at the Z-Gold facility will exacerbate a dearth of eggs caused by a ban on battery farming. It says a fire at New Zealand's largest egg producer has killed about 50,000 hens, sparking fears that a national egg shortage could worsen. So, you know, what's the deal with all of these food processing plants or these, these places where they're harvesting eggs? on a mass scale, going up in flames, exploding. Well, who knows if there's any kind of sinister behavior behind it all. But just going back to the, mo the point I made at the top of the show today, look, it, when you look at this world, look around. Look at some of these headlines. Look at what is happening. And then consider some of the, the probing questions that Herbert Armstrong asked, that Herbert Armstrong considered in mystery of the ages. Did you ever ask yourself, who am I? What am I? Why am I? You are a mystery. The world about you is a mystery. But now you can understand. You can understand why this world is the way it is. And you can understand the truth, too, about God's coming world, God's future world, the wonderful world of tomorrow. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. You saw the 800 number there. Call our operators. Request any and all of our literature. There's no cost, no obligation. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.